quick programming note from Brandon. I have to admit, it wasn't until after we recorded this episode that we realized that just a few months ago we did an episode on storytelling. For some reason, we forgot that we did that, and when we were coming up with a theme for this episode, we thought we've never really talked about why storytelling is so important. In some ways we did, and in some ways this episode really goes into different territory. So even if you listen to our recent episode on storytelling, I think you'll get a lot out of hearing this particular conversation because we really dig into some, I think, new angles that we didn't cover last time. Thanks for listening. We're a lot like this place. Memories won't fade away. Hey, Taylor, it's good to see you. Hi, Brandon. How's it going? We, we have you now solidly on Zoom, video from one angle <laughs> and audio from another. Thank you to Zoom for yep, hosting. I had to, had to dial in because it wasn't, wasn't working on any device that I tried. It, it didn't in fact, I... already, as I'm talking to you, you're frozen on my computer, but I can hear you on my phone. So anybody who's done any Zooming lately knows knows the struggle that we're describing here yeah the struggle is real as they say and weirdly the way that your video is brandon it looks like you're holding like something more solid like a conch shell like maybe you're talking (laughs) (laughs) from beyond with a conch shell um or something along those big bone maybe i've been watching too much vikings is like very you're holding something like very earthy or or you know i don't know anyway (laughs) well so how have you been taylor it feels like it's been forever i feel like we always say that but this time feels especially long i'm not sure why um but i i've been super busy man and i have to say i support a lot of people at work who are going uh through burnout and i do not feel like i am um burnt out but i I'm getting a little preview of the path to what that could feel like. Um, and so I'm sort of taking, I realized this morning as I was thinking about this, that I'm kind of taking this as like one of those building block moments of like, oh, I know what this moment feels like. And maybe I can use that uh, knowledge in my teaching. <laughs> I don't know. It's just been busy. Like, wow. no, that's a great gift to be able to um, get a, sneak peek if you make certain choices yeah and I've been there in my career too where um you know I, I tell this story a lot that when I started out working in theater um I didn't realize theater was a night job until I had kids because you don't think of night day anything like that when you're off on your own but then right. as I was That's working true. in a theater everybody would say oh I'm missing my son's Boy Scout meeting. Oh, I'm missing my daughter's recital. Oh, I'm missing this. I'm missing that with my kids every day. And that was like a sneak preview of what it would be like if I continued in that path. Uh, and that's not something they tell you about, you know, <laughs> when you think about going into right. theater. 
Yeah, that that's the truth. And I think that that's such a good description of what that feels like is you, and you told you don't totally get that till you get into a job or a moment or having kids or whatever it might be. And this summer has been interesting because as adults, you know, our lives keep going as they have been all year, but for our kids, the summer, the structure of summer is so different. So my kids have been blissfully in, in summer camp. I mean, just loving it, loving it, loving it, but it's every day from nine to one. And it, so by the time, so really that meant that, you know, working from nine 30 to 1230, <laughs> um, you know, before going to get them and, and, you know, it's just been, it's been interesting. And like, that used to feel like a solid block of, of working time, but when it's the only time during the day, man, it's just, it's really interesting how your perspective can change like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if, if, uh, if all I had was three hours to work every day, I don't even know what I would do with those three hours. Like, right. It's It's hard to choose. That's exactly what I prioritize. What can I do when they're back home? What do I, you know, it, yeah, it's been wild. So we made it through about eight weeks of that. And now we're kind of like, have a couple of weeks before back to school. And it's been, it has been really good, but man, like just, I feel a little bit, um, my brain feels a little bit burnt out maybe first. What about you? <laughs> well, um, my two different work worlds have had um, big things taking a lot of my kind of mental resources in a good way. I'm with, in the music space, um, the artist that I managed just released a single and an upcoming album. And there's a lot of pieces that move along with that. So that's taken a lot of um, sort of energy to coordinate and I'm really happy with the results so far. Um, And then on the sort of work front for the university of Florida, I am developing a course on neurodiversity in the workplace And this taps into a conversation that we've sort of been having over the course of a number of episodes now of this podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, that has been a huge lift because I feel a lot of responsibility to get it right. Yeah. And um, it's been, I'm actually coming close to finishing a first draft of the actual course content and i really look forward to refining it and eventually offering it for the university i think it's gonna really make a great impact so it's been a lot of mental sort of energy and focus on both of these things but they're both really rewarding and you know, i'm yeah. grateful to be doing them so yeah and so impactful in different ways yeah i mean i i think it's a another one of those examples of sort of uh, a step from the work that I've done in storytelling um, in helping to tell the stories of other people, this neurodiverse and neurodivergence, neurodiversity in the workplace, still landing on the terminology of the title of the course, um, that this course, one of my intentions is really to make sure that people's stories are told um you know not not just mine but other people's stories as well although mine is going to be told as part of this and um 
and it, it, it's because when you tell your story, you or when you tell somebody's authentic story, maybe it doesn't have to be you. It has this real impact, and it's kind of just perfect for what we were hoping to talk about today, which is sort of the impact of storytelling. Why do either of us care? We've done a year's worth of podcast episodes, and we've alluded to storytelling a number of times, um, but we've never, I think, really ever talked about why storytelling? Like, why do we do this? Yeah, I think that realization... Made us laugh recently, Brandon. We were like, really? That's a thing we haven't talked about. You know, it's kind of the most obvious thing to both of us. Um, and even like in our, in the, our, what our friendship is built on. So it's interesting. We did, you know, to be fair, we posted a storytelling show. And, and so we've talked about that, but we've never talked about why it matters so much. So I'm glad we're doing this. We're, we're getting to the obvious bit that we should have done a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like you said, it's how we became connected to each other. And it's really the work that both of us are most known for. And uh, for me, outside of sort of music and events, it's the thing that I've spent the most time in my life sort of working in and learning about and actively doing and um it's to the point where like i feel like i've spoken about it to so many people so often that people and, and this is just my maybe my own assumption i feel like uh, people just glaze over at this point because i've i've overdone it so <laughs> it, it's not always the top I of my conversational that, list anymore yeah i have my own insecurity about that too like I don't know about you, but I feel sort of funny. It's like we're, we have a total association with that. Um, and then I also like, this is both comforting and sort of awkward is that, you know, you have descriptions of things down to a science where sometimes I feel like I sound like a TV commercial where I'm describing like what we do. And it's as if like I'm pitching my work, but someone just asked me like, so what does the storytelling thing look like? And I sound like a, an infomercial or something, but I mean, that's just how, that's how deep we are in it. I mean, it's, it is like interwoven into our existence at this point. <laughs> is that too strong? I mean, I think that's relatable to anybody who has done any work for an extended period of time that isn't obvious to people what it is. Like if you say, I'm Good. a glass blower, like people know what that means. But if you say, well, I do research in biomedical, you know, whatever, you, you then have to learn how to explain it in a way that makes sense. And once you lock in on that, it just becomes, I, I know exactly what you mean when you're like explaining it to somebody at a party or whatever. It's like it goes in autopilot and the words just come out of my mouth without even like <laughs> thinking about what it means because I've locked it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. Um, yeah. So tell and, me, tell me, tell me, what does storytelling mean to you? Yeah. So I think I have to trace it back, Ren, into like how I got started, you know, um, because if I really think back, I had a lot of training in improv, which one could argue is the opposite of storytelling. It's planned uh, or it's not planned. It's not scripted. It's, um, 
you know, I think that it has a lot of storytelling involved in it, but it's more about being off the cuff. You work with a team. It's it's reliant on some of the opposite things that storytelling um, relies upon. So that's where I kind of like cut my teeth, I guess, in, in performing. And then a friend who was coaching my improv team suggested that I do more scripted work. And he said, you'll be surprised at how much it informs uh, improvisation. And, uh, and he was right. And I, I, you know, kind of like drank the Kool-Aid super quickly. And I started doing training and, um, and staged shows with Speakeasy DC, uh, which is now Story District DC. Um, and it, it was just, it was uh, totally addicting. Like it was, but the reason it was addicting was, you know, there's a thrill in performing and sharing something like that um, on stage, regardless of whether it's a moving story, a very deeply personal story, a humor story, regardless of what it is, you know, people, I think a lot of people agree that it's like this rush, but I also felt very deeply that regardless of the content of my story, when I was performing, the process of having to go through a story and understand myself in a different way was sort of like life altering each and every time. And I saw the people who I was on cast with or in workshops with experiencing the same thing. And so we were all going through these transformative or very like eye-opening, you know, transition points, regardless of what our story was about. And I think that says a lot about the art of storytelling. So like, you know, Brandon, my background is in mental health and wellness. So for me, I think I almost recognized it as a therapeutic approach that I mean, there is narrative, there's narrative therapy and it, you know, in therapy, you're often sharing stories. So there's kind of the obvious way of that, but even, even through performance and having to go through being coached and, you know, come up with what you really want to focus on your story, what your point of it is, like, what did you learn? You know, it's transformative. So I think that's what really changed me. And then when I moved from DC back to Gainesville, I almost felt like I was doing a disservice by not trying to teach other people the craft. It was, it was like, I thought I was going to be teaching improv a lot, but storytelling seemed to catch on so quickly. And I also was introduced to what you and Jaron were doing um, and how that was impacting people. Um, and so I knew that if I took it to a performative angle and hosted shows that I could add value to the community and, you know, and it, and it's worked. So just to give people who don't know about, uh, you know, as much about the storytelling scene, my organization is called Guts and Glory GNV. And we host, um, you know, pre-pandemic, we were doing shows sometimes twice a month, which was insane, <laughs> um, at the Woolly or Heartwater breweries and, and the like. And, um, we basically put people's true life stories on, on stage for a ticketed audience and the, the storyteller performs and their, their, their story has been coached and staged. So it's kind of like a curated storytelling show. It's not open mic. Um, and, at, you know, as, and there's a lot of value in those, which I'm sure you will talk about, but this one is more curated um, in that way for a performative sense. Um, and we just did gajillions of shows in the first, you know, two, two three years. Um, and COVID has slowed those down, but we've started doing shows again. So 
Um, but man, I just, I learned so much about our community as a whole through storytelling, um, myself through hearing other people's stories and through other members of the community. It's insane. It just does so many things. It heals, it builds community, it brings people together, it opens up minds. It's it's remarkable stuff. I mean, that's pretty much exactly why I gravitated towards storytelling in the first place. Um, I was introduced to storytelling as a concept by an unconventional professor that I had my first class in my graduate school program. And his angle for storytelling was the idea that storytelling helps you to identify your purpose and your why. And um, given that this was a leadership class, the idea was that like, if you lead from that space, you will lead authentically. If you don't know what that purpose or that why is, you're gonna, your leadership is gonna flounder. And so I was introduced to storytelling as a tool for personal growth. You know, storytelling is a lot of things. And there, there are forms of storytelling that are really more just like folk tales or, you know, that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's still value in that. But um, I think that what I'm, what I gravitate towards, like why I dedicate so much of my life to storytelling is that I have seen firsthand the impact that it has on people in terms of growth and personal development and making a change and, um, you know, understanding oneself. Jaron, um, who you alluded to, is my business partner who co-founded Self-Narrate with me. And, you know, he is similarly like all in on storytelling. He did his dissertation research on the impact of storytelling. And um, so beyond just the research that that I have done over the years and that Jaron has done, all the books that we've read and all the research papers and articles, of which there are many, 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 um, you know, we we are actually had actually based our work off of dissertation research off of tools that Jaron has researched to show that storytelling has a positive, like statistically significant in the language of science uh, impact on things like personal hardiness, self-efficacy, you know, one's belief that you can overcome, that you can make a change, that you can do more in your life and be better. Um, it's a paraphrase version. This is not gonna, it's not gonna be written like that in, in the dissertation research. But the point is, is that, you know, from day one, the approach that I've taken and that we have taken has been, how do we get storytelling out there to actually make a positive impact in one person's life? Um, you know, giving people a platform to sh share their story is a wonderful secondary benefit for us, right? And we've seen how that can really impact people's lives in a positive way. But for us, it's always been that first thing where it is about helping people to grow and change and be better and do better um, through understanding their experiences 
and using storytelling as the tool to do that. So when we talk about why storytelling, you know, you talk to five storytelling experts or people interested in storytelling or whatever, and they're going to give you five different reasons for why storytelling is the thing for them. And, you know, we're not even, we haven't even gotten into like organizational storytelling and how, you know, there's so much data out there that shows that when you wrap an idea around, like wrap a story around an idea, that idea will stick better, both when you're presenting information internally and externally. Um, that's a whole other arm of like why storytelling is important. If you are looking to improve yourself or your workplace or really any facet of your life, storytelling has a place there and it will benefit you. So ultimately, yep. like, again, if, if I, if I'm going to say why storytelling, it's because it will impact your life and make it better. And if you've gotten this many episodes into this podcast or you know you have known Taylor or I and you haven't investigated storytelling for yourself, which I, I have to say, it probably seems like a pretty small number, but you never know um, of people that fall under all, any of those camps together. Um, I, I just encourage you so deeply to either reach out to one of us and ask us like, hey, I want to read a book on like why storytelling matters, we can give you recommendations or to look it up for yourself. You know, there's a number of books on this, on this subject, Uh, kind of the new hotness. Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's, it is a life changing thing. And I've seen people's lives be changed by engaging in storytelling. And I have a pretty interesting, I think, example of what that looks like just from last week and it is (laughs) it it impacts me as a person as well as a number of other people that um, have been touched by the work that Jaron and I have done so um, last week I had this like roller coaster ride of storytelling experiences And even though I've been doing this work for almost 10 years now, which is wild to think about. um, And and side note, like if you've ever seen me speak, I always, from early on, I would always say, yeah, we've been doing this for like a few years, like maybe like five or six years. Even though in reality, I probably hadn't done it nearly that long. I just couldn't think of a date off the top of my head. So (laughs) when I say we've been doing it almost 10 years and you're like, wait, the math doesn't add up. It's because it's really almost been 10 years now. <laughs> um, okay. So, okay. <laughs> Random <laughs> anecdote over. Um, so even though I've been doing storytelling and sharing my story for this long, it's still something where you can get to a point where you're sharing your story and it's easy, easy-ish to do because you know the details, you have it memorized, but there's still a vulnerability that you have to um, infuse into a story that you're telling about your life or else it's not going to be, in my opinion, worth telling. It's just sort of like reading off of a piece of an example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I stood in front of you know, early last week, I I stood in front of a room full of freshmen in college as part of a program that exposes folks 
um, you know, young folks to people a little farther down the road that may have had some hard experiences. As as an example of like, you know, your life may not go exactly how you think it will, but that's okay. So I shared um, some pretty deep, heavy moments of my life that I don't always go into uh, with most people. And again, I've done this, I've shared this story many times with many people, and I know that it has a positive impact, so it doesn't really feel very hard to tell it. But today, in this day, there were a couple of students there who, uh, and I get it, I was a college freshman too once, were just like making faces the whole time. And like, especially when I would talk about things like follow your purpose, not like a paycheck concepts. Um, I would get, I would see them making these faces to each other. Like what the heck does he know? And I mean, I get it. You know, maybe they weren't in the right place to hear that message, or maybe it doesn't resonate with them because no one's ever told them that before. However, as a person sharing my darkest moments of my life to have that response and to see it happen, even though I've gotten over like it being a hard thing to tell people, it just made me feel really bad when I left the room. I felt that my story was invalidated when I shared it in a vulnerable way. Even though I've shared it hundreds of times before, it's like it still hurt and it made me feel bad for the next couple days until I had, and and that is, I think, again, just an example of the power of stories, right? On the one hand, then on the other, um, my wife, Lindsay has been contracted to produce a, um, a 10 week curriculum for, uh, prisoners who in the, in the Florida state prison system, who have disabilities and the overarching concept of this course is of this curriculum is job readiness, how to go back into the workforce ultimately with the goal of reducing recidivism, you know, making it so that folks won't end up in jail again. And if you talk about a population who is underserved, we talk, we're talking, felons in prison with disabilities, okay? Um, And so she was hired to produce this curriculum that, as an occupational therapist, that will inspire folks to go out and, like, make a positive change in their life, even if they're in a circumstance that doesn't, you know, they're, they're in a circumstance that doesn't lead to that typically, And so she was given this opportunity. It was a pilot test. They were doing it with one prison. And if it went well, they may expand it out to others. That was what they said from the beginning. She knows the work that I do pretty intimately. And she said, I want to incorporate the first module of this curriculum is just storytelling. It is, she said, can I copy and paste the work that you and Jaren have done into this curriculum Uh, making some modifications, but really having it be what is your story, why your story matters, Um, how can you 
think about ways to incorporate your identity into your story with the goal of like pushing past the problems and moving into solutions, right? And that's how this curriculum started. And then it went on to more practical things like how to write your resume and so on and so forth. So the program has run its course. The first offering of 10 weeks has gone. I helped to sort of craft that first piece. Lindsay wrote the rest of it. We got the feedback from the prison curriculum. Yeah. um, Having offered it once. And I heard this two days after I was, you know, sort of down in the dumps about validated and sharing my story. And what I was told was that, um, it had such a positive impact on Mm. the population that was taking this course, um, that they got very into it. They were, um, they said, they said that the level of intimacy and vulnerability that was on display, like these men really took it seriously. They wrote their stories, some of them from childhood and Mm. they like were excited to come to class. They said that, in this environment, nobody shows vulnerability, but for 10 weeks, these men let down their guard. They connected with the material. There were anecdotes about how people said, oh, you know what? Maybe I can be a CDL driver, right? I can, I can, yeah. that, there, that's a, that's a job where, you know, you can, you can get a job with a felony on your record. Yeah. Um, and they said that some of the officials would come in and sit in and and listen and were just stunned by what they were seeing. Like they had never seen this level of vulnerability in, in this space before, Wow! you know, some of the terms that were being mentioned were things like this could lead to culture change. Um, You know, who knows, (laughs) but it could lead to culture change and a shift in how we think about, um, education for the population that we work with. And when I was hearing that, I'm like, I'm like choking up to to be, to be honest, this is work that I did a long time ago and it was sort of repurposed. Yeah. But to, to know that the work is still so vital and to see a population be given an opportunity to share their story. I mean, when I say like we do our works to the mission of self-narrative to help people share their story for the first time. I mean, this is, this is a population whose society has actively told that their story doesn't matter. Right. (laughs) Like, like that is the definition of if you, if you go to jail, basically society says you don't matter anymore. Um, And so to hear that it had this impact, on a group of people who were writing and sharing their story for the first time is just so um, like when I were, as I felt invalidated the previous day, um, I felt so validated and so like I was like my work had meaning and value, but it, it goes to show the power that storytelling has and that it can have when it is implemented 
in a safe and healthy yep. way. Um, I don't know what's going to happen next with this curriculum, but there was some talk of potentially rolling it out to more prisons in the state of Florida. So uh, I really hope that that's what ends up happening, but we'll see. Um, still early days, but um, then the very next day, I led a storytelling class. I mean, it doesn't end there. That was the highlight, but it doesn't end there. I led a storytelling class the next day, and by the end, you know, people had shared some of the most vulnerable things I have heard in a storytelling class. Somebody shared about a miscarriage. Somebody shared about the death of both of their parents within one year um, and how that led them to uh, pursue research in tobacco and specifically like getting tobacco cessation, getting people to stop using tobacco because both of this person's parents passed from impacts of smoking for many years. And then that led to other people showing up who had died. It was really powerful to watch and the level of connection that occurred because of somebody being vulnerable was just everything that I have read on paper, all of the research, the research that I've helped to do, right? It says all of this, but to see it happen in real time in two different ways with two different populations was just really powerful. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, and for all of that to happen in a short period of time is very wild. But I, I, you know, I hated hearing that story about how you felt invalidated and that students were sort of like, you know, snickering or like making fun of you or like Jesus loves you, don't lose your faith. And like, maybe they weren't listening to what your story actually meant. Cause I, you know, know parts of that story for you. So I know what you're talking about, but, uh, But, you know, sometimes, Brandon, as people who are so embedded in this stuff, it can be really surprisingly powerful to have those reminders along our path of how terrible it feels when a story isn't treated with respect and safety. And so in one week, although I hate it's that, you then got that reminder and went and saw how it was so valuable um, you know, to others. And man, it just, uh, and, and really like this doesn't, I think one thing that's super impactful about storytelling is that it doesn't always have to be in formal settings. Like it doesn't need to be a show. It doesn't need to be an open mic night. It doesn't need to be a workshop where everybody knows we can be better recipients of stories in our day-to-day lives and conversations through like actually listening what people are telling us through asking people better questions and being curious because we make a lot of assumptions about people but we also think that we just understand experiences or we're not taking the time to do that at all so like everything you just shared is so powerful because it's like it's the impact of storytelling at so many different levels. I think you pretty much just mic dropped it right there. I don't know <laughs> that I have anything to, to, well, you, to add to that. I, I mean, I don't know. That's just like, thank you for sharing. I mean, those are totally different experiences that all happened in this short, uh, that's just, there's no better 
example. Yeah, I I just want to leave it at this. We normally close our episodes by saying like, what's a word to to leave our listeners with? And I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and say that I, I want the word uh, this month uh, to be storytelling. Like I want you, if you're listening to this, to share your story vulnerably with one person. Mm-hmm. That, that could be your partner. It could be a family member. It could be a total stranger that you meet at the bar. Um, but share your story vulnerably with one person. Um, and I'm going to add in a safe setting, like I don't want you to have to feel the invalidation that, that I felt. Um, if you yeah. sense that this is a safe space to share something about you with someone else, do it and see what happens. I am under most circumstances, again, if the listener is not invalidating, it will have a powerful impact on you and the person listening to your story. Yeah. Um, so Taylor, do you have a, a word or an idea to, to take with us this month? Yeah. And it's kind of to balance out what you said in that encouragement of storytelling, I would say, listen, you know, that we all need the recipient on the other side of the story. So tell them, you know, and then listen, like invite them and listen. And it's such a powerful act of care for people. You never know. I agree. It's, it's both. You, for every storyteller, you have to have a listener and that listener needs to be actively listening. Right. Um, and that's one of the things that we try to teach in our work is that you have a responsibility as a listener to actively listen when someone's sharing their story with you. Um, so yeah. thank you. That's a great one. Um, cool. Well, I guess until next time, that's it. So I uh, will same same time same place next month. <laughs> yeah, at least for everybody who's listening, they're on their own sketch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. You could be listening to these all at the same time, or that, like two years from now, who knows? Right, exactly. That's very true. All on the your own right timing. All right, talk to you later, Taylor. Bye, everybody. Bye, Brandon. We're alone like this place. Memories won't fade. Our theme song is This Place by the band Gleason. Stream it wherever you listen to music under their former band name, Stereo RV. For more from Taylor, follow her on social media platforms by searching Guts and Glory GNB. And for more from me, follow me on social media by searching Brandon Tell.